This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Good evening, TC, and welcome all to our weekly podcast, The Current View, then and now with the Ida Villesborough, Mr. Terry Curran, part 76 today, sir. Time flies, doesn't it, when you're enjoying yourself? Not half, and the weather's been nice last couple of days, Cheltenham's on, so yeah, time flies, and all's well at this moment in time. Absolutely. Talking of, uh, of Cheltenham, you're right, it was the first day of Cheltenham today. Do you... Like your GGs, do you have a bet and uh, do you partake in Cheltenham and the Grand National, of course, as well? Two of the biggest and the Derby, three of the biggest horse racing, uh, well, horse racing events in the world, surely. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't get involved in it like I used to do when I was, uh, yeah. you know, um, I had thirty pound on the first win today, so and that one limit. I only had that one bet, so um, but I thought it was the best thing at, at, at meeting. And uh, it, if it if it stood up and it stood up, so it turned out uh, I was right with it. Harry Redknapp, a big uh, fan of horse racing, as is uh, Alan Hudson. Or used to uh, used to own a racehorse. If, no, if, I'm if, sorry, I saw him at, uh, at Stratford, Stratford, Stratford at uh, that's near Stoke, isn't it? Um, Stratford's uh, Warwickshire. Warwickshire. Well. That's the one which Warwickshire is down that way, Stoke way, isn't it? I've seen him there uh, a couple of times. He had a syndicate going at one time, he did, Alan. Okay, Udi said to me, I, I forget the name of the horse now, the name escapes me. We said it's the only female, female I ever fell in love with. And when you own a race, he said I used to love to get up in the morning and go and see me horse. You can understand why people love horses. So uh, he's a massive. And, and Harry Redknapp. And, and when Harry was in Seattle, he used to have a go with the, uh, the, the Americans. And he always used to give them two tips. Uh, for He said, you... Have a look, have a look for these. Dusty carpet, never been beaten, and loose button. It's got, it's got to come off. And uh, he said the Americans used to, they studied the English papers and trying to find these two horses. And, and they used to say to Harry, Harry, we can't find these two horses. <laughs> Unbelievable. When you first said it wouldn't be beaten. Well, I was going to say, uh, Alan Ball, what saying he used to love to get up yep. and watch uh, his horses, you know. You're sounding a bit distant today, TC. Have you got that uh, microphone part of your your phone up to your uh, your mouth? Let me t- put t- a little bit. Is that better? Um, you're still a little bit distorted. How's that? No, you're a bit further away now. What what are you doing with your yeah. unit? Yeah, you're a bit, you're a bit further away. What have you done? I'm on charge. Is that been any better? Oh, you're sounding absolutely perfect now, TC. As always, we start with our magic moments. So what have you sourced for us this week? Well, again, we, I mean, we have been talking early on uh, yesterday. I was very impressed um, with one or two goals this, uh, this, uh, this week. There's uh, been, been some fantastic uh, football played. But I'm going to go with... Uh, 
the Tottenham guy. Um, Eric someone, Lamella. Lamella. Yeah. Um, and as said that, he spoiled himself by getting sent off. But what a goal that was. It was a piece of sublime magic. And it's moments like that that we watch football for. We want to be entertained. And that goal, as soon as it hit the back of the net, you've just gone, wow, what a goal. Incredible. It was incredible because not only has he, you know, crossed his leg over, yeah. he's not pegged the guy, you know, at the same time. Yeah. Did you ever try anything like that when you in your playing days, TC? No, no. But um, to, to, to even try it, yeah. you know, uh, is unbelievable. But what a, what, a, what a goal, you know, what a finish. Absolutely. You just used to go round the goalkeepers, get on your hands and knees and head the ball in on the line. I used to love to go round the goalkeeper itself, yeah. you know, and walk the ball into the net, you know. Yeah. Uh, my magic moments, I'm going to uh, back you up there, TC, because that's one of my three magic moments. Uh, Dwight McNeil's goal for Burnley against Everton, I thought it was an absolute worldie. What a fantastic goal. But for me, goal of the week this week was Nathaniel Chalaba. His, uh, his effort for Watford against Cardiff. And I've watched it just before I phoned you up three times and it gets better every time I watch it. Absolute brilliance. Um, yeah, it, uh, listen, there's been some absolutely young dingers and I've yeah. been some dingers. And I've been very, very impressed uh, with, a lot of, with, with a lot of it. But, uh, you know, Lamella's for me was... I've never seen it. I've never seen anything like that. I've seen some absolutely fantastic goals. Yeah, but yeah. That was, it was a bit special. Yeah, it was. It was. It certainly was, TC. Topics of the week. We're, uh, we've got Celtic. Uh, vacant Celtic job. There's talk that Roy Keane might be going in there. There's also talk Chris Wilder, which links us to Sheffield United getting rid of Wilder, which on the surface looks absolutely ridiculous. And a little bit of ill-discipline, going back to that Eric Lamella goal in the North London derby from uh, Aubameyang, who, who, for whatever reason, a little bit of ill-discipline, we believe he turned up late, uh, was put on the bench. But um, before we get our teeth into that, let's have a look at the week, that, the Wednesday week that was, because the boys and girls want you to go back onto the Wednesday week to talk about the Boxing Day massacre. But it wasn't a bad week, really, for Sheffield Wednesday. Uh, 2-1 down to, uh, to Norwich City, but you were 1-0 up in that game. And if you could have only held on, that would have been a tremendous point gained, wouldn't it? I, I thought they did. I thought they played a lot better. Yeah. Um, they really tired themselves out because they worked really hard for yeah. the at closing them down and stopping balls going into the into into the uh, Wednesday uh, goal areas. But um, you could see that Norwich is is above us yeah. in a sense football wise. Yeah. Just after the break when they went when they equalised, we could have made it two one if if it had squared the ball across goal. He decided to take a shot himself, you know, when the easy on. And that's the, that's the thing, is players making the right decisions. And that's what helps a lot of the teams, obviously, having the right technique in a football brain, that's you're always going to give you the best uh, opportunity and advantage. But I thought it was better, you know. Uh, I, I can see that uh, it will uh, turn it around, whether we're going to be able to do it this season 
or but next season I think he may be right man for a job in that league if we get relegated. Now I'm looking at the uh, from the bottom up. It's uh, currently Wickham, 36 games, 26 points. Sheffield Wednesday, 35, 28. Rotherham, 32, 32. Birmingham City just above the drop zone with new manager um, Lee Bowyer confirmed only uh, an hour ago. 36 games, 35 points and Coventry 35-38. So it is very, very tight there in the bottom. Sheffield's next three games are Huddersfield at home, Barnsley away and Watford away. There's three difficult games, a local derby, uh, well two local derbies and Watford away. Yeah, listen, I think I think we're in serious trouble. Yeah. You know, it, I think we have to have a miracle for us to is to uh, save ourselves this season. Because like you said, you know, Huddersfield need the point. Oh, they're all, they're all needing the point. So yeah. for us to get out of that, you know, we will need a miracle. Mm. I remember when I interviewed Big Ron um, and, and was talking about his time at Nottingham Forest and I said, they were in a bit of a predicament, Ron, wasn't they, when you joined? He said, bit of a predicament. He said, let me tell you, my standard line on that was, the Titanic stood more chance of staying up than us. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that, it will be take a miracle for us to, to, to stay up. That, that's my honest opinion of it all. Yeah. But if we do, then... He'll, he'll he'll be a god at, at Sheffield Wednesday. Will Darren Moore? Yeah. But I think what I think what they've done, they're putting him in place for um, ready for next year, and yeah. I think maybe they may have gone down the right route with it. Absolutely. Well, we did talk about Norwich winning two one at Sheffield Wednesday. Norwich have kept faith in Daniel Farker. Sadly, Sheffield United haven't kept faith in Chris Wilder. Um, what did they really expect? I thought that they massively overachieved uh, last season. Sheffield United finishing ninth with that team and that squad. They've brought in a couple of players, but they haven't spent massive money on forwards. And it has been the Achilles heel this season. Sheffield United scoring goals and creating chances. So what what's what's happening up there with the Sheffield United then? Will he go to Scotland and manage Celtic? Well, on the first on the first part with Sheffield United, I think you're spot on. You covered that really really well. Um, when you analyse what he's done over his career, Chris Wilder, it's been terrific. But mm. obviously, once you get with the big boys, you've got to look for something different. Now, yeah. would I attack him? No way would I attack him because. Mm. You've more chance of getting back up with someone like Wilder yep. uh, than than anyone else because what's out there I don't think is going to be great unless they fetch somebody from the continent from the continent mm. and met or Europe. That's what I think they will do these owners. Um, when you look at Norwich, uh, they've run away with the league two seasons ago when they got promoted in the Premier League. They've got relegated uh, and they bounced straight back. How many teams bounced straight back? Not many. Not many, you know. So, uh, and when you look at it again this year, it looks like they're going to run away with it again. So, it is a nice one. It it is a funny one. But when you looked at the result on Saturday, on the Sunday when they played uh, Leicester, they looked way off it, and I yeah, mean indeed. way off it. So, it could be, it could have a reverse effect. This and really knock them for six, you know. So, 
They want to be careful what they wish for sometimes. Absolutely, and Leicester nearly knocked them for six as well. I mean, they did bang, was it, five goals five. in? Yeah. yeah, so um, bad times there in the uh, the other half of Sheffield. So would he, would Chris Wilder, would he contemplate going north of the border and taking on Celtic? We've spoken about Celtic many times on the podcast. Celtic are one of the great clubs in the world. But would he have the resources to transform that Celtic team, that that failing Celtic team that's getting old? He, he needs to spend a bit of money. And Stephen Gerrard is dominating up there. 55 league titles now to Rangers, his name. That's a world record. And Rangers look as though they're going to kick on. Well, I mean, let's go on to, let's go on to the second part of that, the Roy, the Roy Keane uh, part. Yeah. I think uh, when you look at the Roy Keane part, do I think Roy Roy's uh, the right man to become a manager? Not really. I mean, I do like some of his punditry, but mm. sometimes he just go over the top. Yeah. When you look what Gerard's done at Rangers, and I'll come back to Roy Keane in a bit, when you look what uh, Gerard's done at Rangers, he's changing the way uh, how Scottish football is. And what I mean by that, when you look at them, they are playing out from the back. They're playing with a lot more authority and confidence, and they're taking the game uh, to the European teams now. Yeah, you know what are they now? Have they got to the quarterfinals? Last eight is it? Last sixteen, whatever it is now. They're certainly in the shake-up, aren't they? And they're looking yeah. a very, very good bet in the uh, in the in the Europa League. When I look at when I look at people like Roy Keane, and I looked at Barley when he went to Blackpool, uh, all these great players, but somehow don't make managers i think that's a bit of a myth because what that is you know there's only so many can be successful so it don't make a difference whether you're a great player or not there's only many so many can be successful roy king um what he'll find difficult is the players can't express or take on board what he's wanting them to do you know they'll, they'll not be the, they'll not pass a ball like he wants it with perfection you know like the really top teams do and he, I don't think he's got the temperament, you know, because you know, he frightens players more than encourages them. Yeah. So I think that would be a bad move uh, for for uh, Celtic. Uh, the Chris Wilder scenario, you know, does he really want to go to Scotland once he's been in the Premier League? You know, uh, would it be right for for Celtic? I'm not sure. Mm. I think what they, I think what Celtic needs now is someone what's going to come in. And get and, and get the ball down and play football. The reason why Celtic and Rangers have always dominated is because they've always had the money to buy the best players. Yep. When I look at this Rangers team, this is one of the best footballing teams I have seen for a, for a long time in Scotland. Yep. Is it is it good enough to you know to, to to take us on down here? Not really. But there's a massive massive improvement in uh, how how they've gone about things, uh, and, and Gerard is a big part of that. So Celtic needs someone what's going to, you know, they're going to have to get quality players in. And when I look at Gerard, how he's handled um, the, uh, is it not the Colombian? What is it? The South American boy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, the fella up top, it was a bit of a loose cannon. Yeah. Yeah. And when you look how he's handled it, yeah. it's like uh, Ferguson handling Cantona. Yeah. So for me, that's absolutely uh, tells me he's got everything to be a top manager, Gerard. Mm. Um, so that's how I look at Scotland. 
I think Chris Wilder will want to stay down in England. You know, I think Celtic are a year and a half, two years behind uh, Rangers. So I think it will be no no over for him because I think Rangers are, like I said, two years in front of um, Celtic. So it'd be lucky, I think he'd be lucky to try and get a, a team in the uh, in the Premier League, in the lower half of the Premier League. Whether he can get that, I don't know, because yes, he kept he kept Sheffield United up the first season, but he's not been able to maintain it. And a lot of football clubs, especially you know mid table down, mm. they're, because they're looking they're looking for two things: they're looking to play with style and looking for results, not just results, you know, and not getting beaten. So I'm not sure. I don't think I don't think it's a good fit for for, for Celtic Wild, Wild, and I'm not uh, knocking it. I'm just giving my personal opinion of it. Absolutely, TC. So it looks so for Chris Wilder, and I think you're absolutely spot on. Traditionally, Premier League teams look for, um, especially with foreign investors, a foreign name that would attract. And Birmingham City, of course, we uh, we had uh, Zola. The, the, the foreign owners do like these big star names and it doesn't always reap the benefits but with uh, with Chris Wilder has done you're right an absolutely fabulous job really pretty much wherever he's gone so it could be the championship next uh, Neil Warnock seems to be now I don't know whether he's going to He's been given a new contract, hasn't he, Warnock? But is he going to last? Because he's, what is he, 72, 73 now? I mean, will will there be a vacancy within 12 months at Middlesbrough, which might suit him with his, with his northern roots? Or Crystal Palace, arguably, possibly. But I could see Frank, uh, Frank Lampard going in there at, at Palace. And, and then, of course, you've got Bournemouth, where um, Jonathan Woodgate is in there and he's there and thereabouts. But if they fail to go up, you can see a change at the helm there at Bournemouth. So possibly there's three clubs that, that might interest Chris Wilder. Yeah, uh, you're right. But Warnock, yeah. uh, he's always done well at that level, but he's always failed at the uh, Premier League level. Mm. You know, So... I, I find it a bit strange because at 72, you know, and I'm not saying, as long as you um, have got your wit about you, yeah. but when you look at him, he's looking, it's like Ron, Roy Hodgson now, they are looking old. Absolutely. And I don't need that to be, uh, to be uh, disrespectful. No, we don't. Disrespectful. Which, you know, that's yeah. the word I was thinking yeah, yeah. Like, Disrespectful to him, you know, because age should, but it does. Age yeah. always catches up, doesn't mm. it? Yeah, it does. You know, so, I find that a bit strange, you know, uh, giving him another year's contract. Um, because will he get him up this year? I doubt it, even though they're winning tonight. Yeah. Um, I think his best years are behind him now, Warnock. So, what do I think Middle, uh, Middle, Middlesbrough's done a great uh, thing by giving him another year's contract? No. Mm. And and the thing is, Warney's done it before, where he's announced his retirement and then played the season, and it it, do, it doesn't work. I don't think you can announce your um, retirement at the end of the season and get the maximum out of that group. So it wouldn't surprise me if Chris Wilder uh, wasn't in there at Middlesbrough. Abamyang, 
what's the SP on um, well, well the, the, the manager has done the right thing and I mean the right thing because whoever it is you've got to have discipline yep right and turning up and what, he, what I can make out what, what he's been doing over the years he's been doing it on a regular basis yeah you know and um, it looks of it he's uh, clamped down on him and they are playing some better football now he's uh, is our so it's getting a little bit more stronger in uh, in his strength by being much as he's coming up to his third season this next season. So all that will give him a, a bit more strength. So for me, uh, the right thing, you know, I would take the captaincy off him and make him understand this is how it does because he's never going to get a contract anywhere else that he's going to Arsenal at, at his age. What is he coming up thirty two? And I'm surprised mm. that if someone, um, the uh, the money, uh, the uh, a contract like that, because you know it's another big contract. And same thing happened with Ozil, didn't it? You yep. know what I mean? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. You know, so um, when, when I look at all that, I find it strange that uh, they've given that contract. But we'll have to wait and see. We certainly will, and Brentford have uh, gone two 0 up against one of your former clubs, uh, Derby County. Um, Luton one up against Coventry. Is there no live game on tonight, TC? I'm surprised of that. Well, I'm not quite sure because no? I watch it uh, from from a from a different angle. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. And then you've got the European games on, haven't you? So yeah, but uh, they're on BT, aren't they? I was. Uh, yeah. I was I was I was looking to uh, to see if there is a live game. There might be the live game later. I think that it possibly is because Bournemouth are playing uh, Swansea, which is a top of the table clash. So that's probably why these games aren't on live. That game will be televised live later. While we're talking AFL, let's just have a, an update. Norwich City currently lying top, seventy nine points from thirty six games. Watford thirty six games, sixty nine. Swansea 35-69 Brentford 35-66 Reading 36-61 and Barnsley 36-61 7th place uh, are Bournemouth with 56 from 36 Cardiff have got 54 from 36 and Borough 53 from 36 it is going to go to the wire but there's a 5 point gap now between Barnsley and Bournemouth isn't there yeah, uh, I mean, when you look at Barnsley, what a what a what a magnificent run they have. Yeah, of had. Yeah, you know. So uh, for me, what for me, Barnsley uh, are going to be the dark horses. I mean, I didn't expect this, but I have seen a few games lately because obviously, when you see somebody uh, playing particularly well like Barnsley are and coming on a run like Barnsley have, you know, you makes you take much no uh, take note a bit more because I like to see and see how certain managers are doing. So, uh, I hope Barnsley get into that uh, playoff. I mean, that was a right result on Saturday, being, being a goal up, then falling behind 2-1, then to come back and win it 3-2. Yeah. That, for me, is telling me that they've got something about them that um, is going to be in, a, in and around uh, the death for the playoffs. Absolutely. And there was a nice little piece on, uh, on the manager in the... Uh, the mirror on on Sunday, because I didn't even know what the fella's name is. I mean, they really have gone under the radar, haven't they? And and this fella's done such a fantastic job at Barnsley. Yeah, I don't think 
most football fans know who the bloody hell he is. Well, his name's Valerie and Ismail. But they all, they I couldn't they have all told you that before that. They all know who he is now, though, don't they? Yeah, well, they, they certainly know. They, they know what a job he's doing. But I bet you that's not a name that would roll off most football supporters' tongues, which is typical of the Premier League, the Premier League, the Premier League, and the, the Championship doesn't get much of a shout. Lebo, you're going in at Birmingham just before we do the uh, time vault in conjunction with footballmastersmagazine.com. What's your uh, theory and fears and joys and sorrows, tribulations? What do you reckon that, um, what kind of a job do you think Lee Bowie will do at Birmingham? He's a bit of a fiery character. He's been working for a circus at Charlton. He should seem to fit in at Birmingham City. Well, he's done half, he's done half decent job at um uh, when you look at yeah. uh, Charlton, mm. you know, uh, he's had a little bit of a blip uh, this last season, but you know, he's the next Birmingham player, so he'll, he'll, he'll know about the club. Yeah, but he seems to bring controversy with him, really, you know. Mm. So, but you know, I like the way his team's tried to play football. So, for me, time will tell whether he's uh, capable uh, of managing it at a higher level. So. I wait, I wait, I wait to see on that. But um, I, I'm hoping he does do well. But he's got a decent backer there at Charlton. Uh, Simon Jordan had a bit of a pop at Birmingham today. I think one of the things that he did say is that the best thing out of Birmingham is <laughs> is the road. <laughs> um, well, I think he's been a bit harsh on that. Is uh, yeah, Simon, isn't he? I, th- yeah. I think he is, but but I, th- I think where he was coming from um, with Charlton and Birmingham, similar-sized football clubs. I know Blues fans will say, no, we're a massive club, but we a- we actually aren't. We've never won the FA Cup. We've never won the league. We've won the League Cup twice. Birmingham aren't a very big club. He's there in London. He lives in London. He's a Londoner. Um, moving from... It was a circus, but this American now, because he's from Colorado, he's neither the new owner of Cholton. He looks as though he's putting a bit of the building blocks and the foundations down there at Cholton. And going to Birmingham City, I mean, at best, I mean, it's a basket case of a club. You know, arguably, it it must be one of the worst run football clubs in in the whole of the 92 in the Football League and, and the Premier League. So, is he is he jumping ship and going to what he perceives to be is a bigger club, but the club that he's left actually, long term or certainly short term, could be more successful than the team that he's joining. Well, for me, there is something not there's something not right because he's always been mm. he's always been backed by the uh, the the owner there. Absolutely, yeah. You know when people were giving boy a lot of stick. Yeah, yeah. You know, he backed him. Mm. So I, I do find it strange that. I really do find it strange. And as I say, he's not too far away from the playoffs with Charlton. So it just seems a very, very strange one to go from London to Birmingham when, you know, arguably, you know, they could even trade places, the two football clubs. I don't think they will, but it just seems a bit of a, a bit of a strange one. And does it really matter if the football manager knows the football club as well? Because when you look at the history of football, most of the successful managers actually didn't have any connection with the football clubs that they ran. Well, what, what I mean, but when I say uh, he'll, he'll know the demands of it. I mean, oh, yeah. 
what you've got is what you've got is you've got people who pundits what turn around and mm. say you've got to have experience you know at the end of the day you've got somebody what is a leader yeah right what can lead and the players believe in because if players believe in them they'll go, they'll go with them yeah with that manager whether it's boy or whatever it is if they don't believe in him then you'll see that the dressing room gets lost and everything else what mm. uh, goes with it all that uh, headlines and what the clubs don't want and what the manager do, doesn't want so for me um, is he a man for the job only time will tell yeah. him this he does try and play the right way but like I say he brings a lot of controversy with him yeah uh, watch this space it's work in progress Birmingham City have been work in progress since 1875 time vault Willem Van Hannigan or Wim Van Hannigan as you may know him what do you know of this Dutch master, TC? Well, not much, but the thing is with Dutch football, I like, because I like how they the, the play, the play football, and yeah. I like how they try and play uh, football. So, you know, for me, uh, you can see that uh, he's brought that style with him. He'll have his own philosophy, uh, and they're playing some fantastic football. But at the end of the day, you know, with that, with any type of football, whether it's the long ball game uh, or the, uh, I, I don't call it tippy tappy. People call that tippy tappy when it's sideways and backwards. Yeah, the yeah. Manchester yeah. City and the Barcelona never play tippy tappy football. They play quick tempo, forward thinking football. And so, so did the me, Dutch team in '74, TC, with Van Hannigan in it. Yeah. Well, all these, all these football, all these footballing teams. Mm. Uh, have managers who have a philosophy are not frightened of losing. And yep. that's what you've got to get. That You've got to get that. I was listening to Chris Waddle when he was on about uh, Sheffield United yep. uh, uh, on Sunday because I was in the car driving the car and he was saying, what's all this about? I understand, you know, people don't want to get beat. He says, but you need points. Yeah. You know, uh, sitting behind sitting behind the ball, the 4-0 down now, um, it's too late now to try and attack because, you know, it's it's going to be possible to get to try and get five. Absolutely. Bit, you should try and try and win the match. That, yeah. You should try to win the match from the off because they need points. Mm. So why why the English manager uh, do what they do? Uh, well, I do know because they're frightened of losing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, this fella didn't lose much in his day. An absolute superstar in that great Feyenoord team, and one of the stars in the uh, the Dutch national team in the seventies. I've tried to find a book on Wim Van Hannigan, and there is one out. It's sold out, and it's in Dutch. But so I don't think there's an English translation. But he was born on the twentieth of February, nineteen forty-four. So he's seventy-seven in. 1962 to 66, he played for Velox SC. 109 league games, 39 goals, 66 to 68. Zerez, um, again in uh, in Holland, 68 league games, 32 league goals. <clears throat> and then the move that really shaped it for him in 1968 to 76, he played for that great Feyenoord team. 247 league games. 88 goals, and then in 76, 79, his uh, his last club in in Holland was AZ 67, where he played 75 games, scoring 10 goals, and then went abroad to Chicago Sting, and then come back to uh, Utrecht, back to Feyenoord, and for the Dutch national team, 
played 52 games, scoring six goals. Unfortunately, he didn't have the greatest of World Cups in 74, but um, he will always be remembered as one of the all-time greats, Van Hannigan. I mean, that will always go down as, they will always go down as the great, greatest team never to win a World Cup. Yeah. Always will do. Yeah. The other players around him seem to take on more... Well, when when we're looking at teams that didn't win World Cups, you're absolutely spot on. And I remember that 74 World Cup very well as a, as a kid, a, a nine-year-old kid. And it was Johnny Rep, Johan Naiskins, Rudy Kroll, Johan Cruyff. I wasn't very familiar with uh, Van Hannigan, but I've started to research him and the bloke was an absolute magician. And you, you just look at, in the modern age where these football players are, talked about continuously if Van Anigan was playing today he'd, he'd be up there as a £100 million star player it's crazy it is crazy isn't it yeah it, it is, is yeah. yeah so but at the end of the day you know as well as I do football is a funny old game isn't it it certainly is a funny old game TC as, as uh, Greavesy and Saints would say Absolutely, and uh, I've been purchasing a few football books this week as well, TC, which leads us on to Book Corner, and as we were talking about Feyenoord there, and Will uh, Wim Van Hannigan, I've just purchased Johan Cruyff's Year at Feyenoord by Andy Bullen, uh, fierce genius, I'm going to get my teeth into this, I've got so many football books that I want to read, I could do with retiring or somebody funding the project and I can sit and read football books and uh, make podcasts daily, so Book Corner in in association with myfootballbooks.com. The first book that they've recommended to us this week, TC, is The Names Heard Long Ago, How the Golden Age of Hungarian Football Shaped the Modern Game by Jonathan Wilson, author of Inventing the Pyramid. It's an absolutely fantastic book in Hungarian colours, and I look at it, there's just under 400 pages about the magnificent Magyars. Well, you see, what I'd like is, well, we all know uh, who started the long ball game, which were Charles Hughes. Yeah. But uh, we never hear of these people, what came up with this idea of this, we talk, I'm talking about before the Brazilians, but when you look at the Brazilians, They've been playing that type of football since uh, I really got really involved in football. Yeah, sure. Before that, before that, the Hungarians, we all hear, I hear a lot about the Hungarians. Yeah. Uh, how they uh, transform football. Mm. You know, look how they've dropped away. Oh, Where yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, it's bizarre, but it was, I mean, it was an English coach, Jimmy Hogan, that, that couldn't really get a job in England, that, um, that, that went out there in 1914 and taught the Hungarians how to play football. And when they, the Hungarians beat England in 1950, 53 and then 54, they, they dedicated everything, well, the, the victory to, uh, to Jimmy Hogan and, and said that everything that they learnt was learnt from Jimmy Hogan. And, and and you're right, you look at Hungary now, they're not in the greatest of shapes, but back in the 50s, they certainly were. Um, 
as was uh, the, the the great Austrian side managed by uh, Hugo Meisel. So when you look at the football that we see today, and I think this is absolutely right, how the golden age of Hungarian football shaped the modern game. And I think that if you're looking at a football Bible, it was written by Jimmy Hogan and those great coaches, and the Hungarians picked it up and digested it. Yeah, well, like I said, the Hungarians always seem to get mentioned, don't they? Yeah, they do. Yeah. Uh, the team what absolutely destroyed England at Wembley, you know. Yeah. So it always comes round to uh, what what our Hungary did teach us how to play football. We were we were amazed at how well uh, this team were and mm. the national team were. Uh, and it all it all started through an English coach. Absolutely. Who had a philosophy of playing with an high tempo and a philosophy not only did to try and win matches, but to excite football fans. It's quite incredible. I mean, it's, it, it is incredible, but it isn't incredible when you look at how England have never really done any good. Uh, and, OK, we won the World Cup in our own backyard in 66, but we've never really kicked on. We've never really progressed because we've always listened to the wrong people in this country and the game seems to have been run by idiots. Second book is the book, uh, sorry, The Bottom Corner, Hope, Glory and Non-League Football by Nigel Tassel. Uh, Nigel Collins, former chairman of Moor Green Football Club, uh, put it on my page yesterday. So uh, that's a book that I'm going to be having a look. Non-League Football, again, when we're looking at, you know, the, the, the Hungarians and how they shape the modern game. The non-league game is absolutely vital for the English game going forward because without that rung of, of non-league football, you don't get the Premier League. No, you're right. Um, the thing is with the Premier League, you know, there's that amount of, vast amount of money coming into it. Yeah. And then if you get if you start to get the uh, Amazon and Google and these type of companies come, uh, come into football, mm. then it will only even get even bigger. Yeah, well, but surely with all that money, the money should be filtered down more fairly and non-league football should get a bigger chunk of the TV money that the Premier League gets. Now, I know that, strictly speaking, they're not part of the Football League because they broke away in 1992, but they should still filter that money down, in my opinion. Well, without any question of a doubt, all money because we should keep all the football clubs going. Absolutely. Areas. Now, if if you know clubs are really struggling, but a lot of clubs struggle for some some unknown reason. Football seems to get away with it. Yeah. You know. So for me, uh, we should always filter money down uh, because there is there is extra money, but why it's not released. Uh, to help these clubs out, I'll never know. But greed, as you always know, people who have money always want money. They don't get they don't get rich by uh, keep giving it away. When people keep saying, "Oh, they plow this money in," how do we know what money they're pl- plowing in? Mm. We we do know one thing: a lot of it is a tax relief type of thing. Yeah. You know, because they've got that so many they've got that many companies that they can afford to have one company losing money. So, you know, we all like to see. 
have a great good, a good owner and, and 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 buy the top players for our clubs. But there's more there's more to it than meets the eye for me, Gabby. Absolutely. And the third book in Book Corner this week is True Genius by Wayne Barton, who's covering the entire career of George Best. And I am going to be doing a podcast with Wayne this week. So it'll be up on our socials very, very soon, which are Twitter at Current View, Facebook The Current View, and on Instagram The Current View. So let's briefly indulge in the greatest football player of these shores, George Best. Well, as you know, he's my idol. Yep. Always has been, always will be. And it's only opinions. I think he's the greatest player that, that that's that's ever been. Yep. And that's not knocking all the others because I'm, I'm a big fan of Zidane's and Messi's and Vidaldo's and um, Christian Vinaldo and Belly and all yep. these people. Cruyff's. You know, but for me, George will always be the master for me. But it's opinions and that's all it yeah, is. Yeah, of course it is. That's what football's all about, TC. Opinions. Yeah. We're not always going to agree, but we always can have an opinion and the opinion should be respected. What was your favourite George Best goal? <sighs> Obviously the one in America. Yeah. The one in America, you know. I mean, he scored the Champions League final at Wembley. I really loved, but yeah. when I, you know, the one in America at any level of football to, to you know, to uh, score that type of goal, it was unbelievable, and I mean unbelievable. He just had great balance, didn't he, George but, Best? Yeah, and he checked and stopped. You know, to have that composure in the tight in tight areas yeah. like that. You know, I mean, I always I look at that, and then when I saw. What is it, Lamana's goal for Tottenham? Yeah. Different type of goal, but George will always go down as the best for me. Absolutely, and would have been 75 on the 22nd of May this year. I remember three years ago, which would have been his 72nd birthday, Hudding myself done a tribute to George, and Alan said one of his favourite George Best goal was the goal that he scored against Chelsea when uh, the late Chopper Harris almost scythed him down. <laughs> down at Old Trafford. Oh, absolutely, yeah. It was a midweek game and all. Yeah, it was. It was in the League Cup, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. To keep your balance up. Yeah. When he's been caught like he had. Yeah. You know, you talk about he could have gone down and got a penalty. It, you know, he, he kept going and kept going and he finished up scoring. And that's what great players do. Absolutely. And and to this day, Chaparari still watches that and still can't believe that George didn't go down. But as you say, he just had great. And, and even on just them heavy, muddy pitches, I mean, he was a yes. slight lad and he was just different class and uh, George could just do other things do things that other players wouldn't even think about absolutely you know to be able to to have the audacity yeah to even try and you know I mean it's it's unbelievable I mean George George, what George tried nine times out of ten it would have come off yeah he wouldn't have got uh, a rollicking where other players you know uh, maybe Technically good, obviously yeah. not in George's class, would have got more rollickings and, and Frank to try things. So sometimes, you know, it works uh, against certain players. But the one thing about all this, George, he got that prisoner that everybody wanted to be around him. 
Absolutely, and not just football players, not just uh, football fans and football clubs that loved and adored him, but uh, the women as well. I mean, he had a, a string of Miss Worlds that was following him round everywhere, yeah. wasn't he? I'm glad you said he Miss Worlds. <laughs> well, he did, didn't he? I mean, it was plural. I mean, well, I, what I'm trying to say is, what I'm trying to say is, Macy was a good-looking lad. He was a good-looking lad. Oh, he, he had, he had real stunners, didn't he? Yeah, he did. He had absolutely everything, George. He was he was blessed with everything. And uh, Udi, all... all that cheeky smile, and oh. you know, he got those come to bed eyes. He got everything. He got everything in life. Yeah, everything in life. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. And uh, and Uddy said to, said to me, I mean, he was big pals with George, and and uh, he said, you know, whenever I was in George's company, he was the most modest, generous, lovely person uh, that that you you could care to wish to to, to meet. He was um, you so know, shy, you know. Yeah, you what said. Yeah. I don't mean on a football field. Yeah, unbelievable. yeah. So reserved and so polite. Yeah, Alan said you you'd never think he was a footballer because we never talked about football. He was just yeah. so modest and Udi, that's Udi's uh, favourite um, attribute of a person, uh, their modesty. Uh, so the names heard long ago, I can't remember if I gave the, the fella's name, but it was written by Jonathan Wilson, who was a fantastic uh, football writer and journalist, which leads us to On This Day, and I got it from the Blizzard which is uh, his blog. He does a number of, of podcasts as well, does Jonathan, and writes, I believe, for The Guardian. Um, on this day in 1872, the very first FA Cup final took place at the Oval, TC. Oval? Yeah, the Oval, yeah. It was the first one. Do you know who, do you know who he was between? Yeah, it was um, Wanderers 1, Royal Engineers 0. And there's a book out about that game called Foot Soldier by Nick Collins. And, and again, this information I get from uh, myfootballbooks.com. They promote such fantastic books. And not just books that are coming out now or tomorrow, or next week, or next month, but books that are already out, because the books that are out are just as important to promote them as the new books, because with certain books, like that one, for instance, we're never going to play the very first FA Cup final again at the Oval, so the book has shelf life. You know the the two teams in the first FA Cup, well, played at uh, the Oval? Yeah. Are they football clubs now or no. were they just no? No. Because you know, like Arsenal, what were they called? Um, they were Woolwich Arsenal before they Woolwich, went north Woolwich of the river. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because so, yeah. sometimes you know, when 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 the older people talk about football, they said this team was so and so, so and so. Yeah. You know, I had a name change, so so there were just two teams um, before the really uh, professional side of it really took place then. Absolutely. There was a fantastic, well, there is a fantastic book out written by um, journalist Mike Collis. When I was on the BBC with Malcolm Boyden, he kindly sent us a load of books to uh, to give away as prizes. And uh, we'd look through them and there was, I phoned him up, I think it was Boxing Day on the Christmas when I, when I bought the book. And uh, just to phone him up and say, what a fantastic read. And there was two football clubs that played in every FA Cup 
from the beginning until that time that I'd phoned him up. And it was Marlowe and Maidenhead. They'd played in every one. I'm not too sure if they're still going and have played in every FA Cup since. But until that time, they, they certainly had. But surprisingly, both teams had, had missed one season for some reason. But, you know, that was uh, that's another story. What, and Mike it. didn't know what the answer was. You don't half educate our listeners, you know. You know, I mean, that's it's great research, and you know, we learn, we do, all of us learn something uh, from this, from past years on football, and you know, I, I really appreciate it, and no doubt, you know, we'll have a lot of people what listen to this program appreciate your research and the time and efforts you put into that, Mike, uh, uh, Gabby. Well, I absolutely love it, and I don't just do this from the current view. I've started a new venture um, with um, Colin Abbott and and. Tom, we've got Tom involved as well, Villa through the years, and one of the shoots, the offshoot podcasts that we're doing there is the class of 81 champions in their words, and I've just recorded my first podcast. That's Aston Villa, isn't it? Yeah, with the yeah, Aston Villa, yeah. I just used my uh, pseudonym as, uh, as, as Sid, which was my nickname as a kid. <laughs> you start putting them out and the, the, the Blues fans start hammering you. But um, I've just done one with Dennis Mortimer. What an absolutely fantastic guy. And I've got another couple of podcasts that I'm doing with Dennis. Um, one will be about a great Britain team the over 35s that went to play in Brazil and they were only called Great Britain because they couldn't get enough English players. In fact, Kenny Burns and John Robertson played. Yeah, Burns Burns and John Robertson both played in uh, in that tournament. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Rivellino played in there and there were some fantastic names, Dennis was telling me. And... um, I'm sure he said Alan Whittle. Do you remember the old Everton yeah, uh, forward? Yeah, Everton and Crystal Palace. Yeah, he, w- yeah, he was up uh, Sugarloaf Mountain with Ronnie Biggs. <laughs> so we got some great stories there that uh, that Dennis uh, Mortimer is going to tell us. While we're on the, uh, the FA Cup thread, because it is FA Cup weekend, let's go back to 1974 with the most amazing and controversial FA Cup game ever played. It was March the 9th, 1974, Newcastle versus Nottingham Forest. Newcastle eventually run out 4-3 winners after a pitch invasion. Are you aware or familiar with, with that game, TC? No, uh, vaguely. When I was going to say no, but vaguely, I can, vaguely, uh, you know, you, you remember certain uh, certain games, mm. but the, the Forest fans and a lot of Forest uh, people who I know, you know, uh, hated Newcastle after that, you know, because mm. it, it did cut it did cause a lot of controversy, didn't it? Oh, absolutely. Are you aware of exactly what happened on that day? Well, were they winning? Uh, Ian Bowyer put put Forrest up, 1-0 up. And, and, and the they, fans invaded the pitch, didn't they? Well, something. well what happened? They were 2-0 they were up early, Forrest. And yeah. then Newcastle got a goal back. And then Duncan McKenzie... Uh, got a penalty which was a bit of a contentious penalty well I've done a chapter of my life interview with Pat Howard who played centre half for Newcastle that day and Pat went and had a quiet word with the referee and told him that it wasn't a penalty 
And uh, the referee disagreed and decided that it was. And Pat said, I'm telling you, if you give a penalty, there's going to be trouble. And um, he sent Pat off. And sure enough, there was trouble because the Newcastle fans invaded the pitch. The game was... um, was stopped for, I believe, about 15, 20 minutes. <clears throat> when they come back and Forrest were 3-1 up at that time, Newcastle scored a, a late winning goal by uh, Malcolm McDonald, crossed the ball over, and Bobby Moncur, of all people, scored the winning goal. Well, Forrest put in an official complaint, and there was a lot of... They didn't know what they were going to do, whether they are going to knock, uh, kick Newcastle out of the competition or play replays. Eventually, it was decided on the 18th of March that they were going to play the first um, re- game, because it wasn't a replay, because that game was null and void. So they played it at neutral venue. It should have probably gone to Nottingham Forest and played at the city ground, but it was neutral, and it was a Goodison Park. It was nil-nil. And then three days later, Malcolm MacDonald <clears throat> excuse me, scored the only goal in a 1-0 win that took uh, Newcastle through to the uh, semi-final, where they played Burnley. Well, that, that, that was the... Um, it was a lot of controversy, because yeah, I, it was. I know some Forest fans, what, you know, mm. never, never forgive... Uh, New, uh, never give new, never forgave Newcastle for yeah. for that for that game. It's um the, the the FA Cup just brings so many fantastic memories, memories it? doesn't it, and talking points. So while we are talking of the FA Cup, what's your greatest memory, a as a player, then other memories of the FA Cup when you were a kid or? Or, 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 well, or growing well, up loving the game? As a player, it has to be uh, the semi-final. Yeah. Playing in the semi-final, what got us to uh, where Everton beat Watford. Um, but, and then the saddest one was Everton, when we were 2-0 up, we got beat by, by a 2 you know. But the, the Wednesday, Arsenal, yeah. yeah. The, the, the Arsenals and the, uh, the, the, the Arsenal and the Leeds always had a couple of game finals, which what, what I, I always found fascinating. Alan, Alan Clark scored him from a, and then from the big Jones cross, from yeah, it was. Jones got his, uh, he'd done his elbow, he got his, his shoulder in his yeah. wing. Um, Liverpool 65 leads, that was another one. Uh, the Arsenal, the Arsenal Man United one. Yep. Two 0 down, Man United come back, and then Arsenal scored scored the winner through uh, Allen's. So there's been some great performances, but there's been some dodgy ones. There certainly has, and giant killers as well. Um, Colchester United when they knocked out Leeds United in what, yeah. 1971. And, Remember that one? Yeah, and and of course Ronnie Radford stunner and I. Radford in Newcastle. Yeah, again Pat Howard. Oh, wasn't it just? And all the pe- and all the fans invaded. Yeah, a couple of times there. Uh, and then the one Wrexham against Arsenal. Yeah. That was another giant killer. Yeah. So there's been some. There's been some giant killers. What was the one Wimbledon against Leeds United, weren't it? When they were in America. Yeah, Dicky Dicky guy, Dicky yeah, guy, Dickie didn't guy. they? Dicky yeah, Dicky. yeah, yeah. Fantastic so. memories of the Football Association Challenge Cup that was never sponsored. It was never going to be sponsored, but it now is the Emirates Cup. And good luck to all the teams taking part. Um, we're gonna. Sorry, TC? This weekend, yeah? Yeah, it is this weekend, and I can hear the wife's vacuum firing up 
as we speak. So it only means one thing, football forecast. We drew last week 1-1. You still are ahead 7-5. So you pick the music again this week, TC. And we start with the FA Cup. Your old team, um, Southampton, got a tricky little game on the south coast where they go to Bournemouth. How do you see this one ending? Well, they've had a little bit of a bad run, but I yeah. think Southampton. I think Southampton will come through this. I'm going for a one nil Southampton. One nil Saints. I I do because I mean 1976 when Jim McCallion put that backspin on the ball oh. to Bobby Stokes and uh, Southampton won their first FA Cup. Well, FA Cup. Peter Osgood played in that game as well. And in the and first, my favourite Sheffield Wednesday player played in that game. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, Jim made the goal. He put that backspin yeah. on the ball, and he done one in the first half. And Mick Shannon as well, but um, Mick didn't put his away, but Bobby, Bobby did. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. And then, of course, it, I think it goes to extra time. I'm not sure if it goes to extra time penalties <clears throat> or because it's a, the, the quarterfinals, it goes to replay. But I think it goes straight to extra time and penalties. But the, these are scores after 90 minutes, TC. Everton, another one of your former clubs, got a big game here at Manchester City. Uh 2-0 City. They've got they've got too much strength in debt City. Yeah. So you're... Everton, you know, what all these clubs like Everton and Tottenham, what they should be doing is trying to win a win a major tournament. Absolutely, yeah. It absolutely baffles me when they play weakened teams in FA Cup games. Yeah, same here because they're not going to go down. I mean, even if you are going to go down, we'll win a cup, then go down and come back up. But you know, the... go on, sorry. The, you know that. They're clearly not going to win the league. So the best thing that, that all of those teams, apart from Manchester City, arguably Man United, <clears throat> Liverpool have had an a, a awful season this season, and Chelsea when they get their act together. But most of the other clubs, TC, the best that they can hope for is to win either the League Cup or the FA Cup. Yeah. Well, the thing about all, all the players... Uh, fans want to yeah. go to a cup final. So okay, it baffles me that, you know, for me, Everton and these top teams, these Tottenham's, whoever they are, what's in them now, should be pulling strong teams out and trying to win a major trophy. It it will help fetch other players in. And it, it, it the look, other players look at it, well, these mean business. They want to win trophies. Absolutely. City, you know, Liverpool, not, not, not much this season with Liverpool, but Liverpool last year and, and, and Manchester City's the top teams are Man United when they when they're going for Europe Europe Champions Leagues. Yeah, they want to win an FA Cup final. You know they want to get to a cup final. So that's what they've got. These teams have got to start doing that. Absolutely, so, so I just I, it just absolutely baffles me. I'm going to go uh, Everton one. Manchester City too. I think City will just be too strong for Everton. However, you never know, do you? Um, no. Brentford versus another of your old teams, Nottingham Forest. Brentford kicking on again and uh, looking strong contenders to finish in the top two. I'm going to go 2-0 Brentford. Yeah, I'm not going to disagree. I'm going to go... 3-1, Brentford. Barnsley versus your team, Sheffield, Wednesday. Well, I can't see where our next win's coming from, so uh, I'm going to go for a 1-0. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to go 3-0, Barnsley. Um, Derby away to Stoke City, a local Midlands Derby. And 
on the nil, fifth, nil draw for me that nil nil draw on the fifteenth of March nineteen seventy five. It was that infamous game at the baseball ground when Stoke City won two one thanks to a Jimmy Greenoff diving Fancy. header. Well, they put the sand on the... Is that the one where they put the sand no, on the No, no, no. That was the... Um, I think that was Jerry Daly, wasn't he? On Match of the Day when they put the sand. Yeah. They couldn't see the penalty spot, could they? But no, that again, that derby pitch was, was awful back in awful. the 70s. But um, yeah, that, that was the week that was for Ruddy. On the 12th, he made his debut for England against West Germany. <clears throat> and then on the 15th, he played against a derby and they won and... Stoke nearly went on and won the league that season. They just blew up at the last hurdle. But um, what, is, what an achievement that would have been! Oh, absolutely. I mean, they were. Did they won the league that year? Yeah, I mean, they were. Uh, I think they were five points off winning the league that year. And Udi says we were the best football team in in that division, and I wouldn't disagree with him. <clears throat> and Derby won it. I think Derby won it on fifty five points, which was the lowest of the decade of the seventies. But at Stoke City, what a great team! And then that infamous picture of Alan Hudson with the England top on him that was done on the Thursday at his home in London. And finally, TC. Aston Villa taking on Tottenham Hotspur. <clears throat> what Tottenham Hotspur team will turn up? Well, the thing about the thing about Tottenham Hotspur, mm. they've got a great forward. Yeah, but they haven't got a really solid defence. Mm. And the reason why Mourinho uh, chops and changes teams his forward line is because the defenders can't defend, and he's always wanted a defensive format. Yeah. If he could get some quality defenders. And, and have a couple of seasons with those those front four he has yeah. in Mora, Bale, Kane, uh, Son. Son. You know, brilliant, as good as anybody in the Premier League, as good as anybody probably in Europe. You know, but for me, Mourinho is never going to win uh, another title with, with uh, the way how he sets his teams up to, to play football now. Absolutely, and we, we are right. There is the live game on now. Uh, Bournemouth versus Swansea. And it's currently standing, but oh blimey, good save by the Bournemouth keeper there. Um, Bournemouth won, Swansea nil. So uh, it looks like all the teams around the top in the AFL are winning tonight. So TC, thank you uh, for your time. Love to you and yours. And thanks for listening, guys. What record are you going to play us out with this week? I want to break free by the Queen. (laughs) A great song. Brilliant and a great video as well. Yes, it is. That was yeah. one that uh, Freddie dresses up as a woman, isn't it? And yes, yeah, Overing and what have you. Yeah, absolutely. Well, talking of Overing, I can hear it now, and uh, she's going to need a little bit of help. So, see you next week, TC. Let's hope that come five o'clock on Saturday, we're both singing the blues. Brilliant. Let's hope so. Have a good weekend, all of you. Cheers, pal. Turn out of it. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye.